Welcome to Get World Savvy. This is a business and tech podcast on startup ecosystems around the world, the entrepreneurs innovating in global markets and predicting opportunities of the future. On Get World Savvy, we have fascinating conversations with some of the top leaders, disruptors, and creators in tech and tech-enabled businesses across industries and geographies. You'll learn about where the world is moving, growth strategies, and how that translates to your business and home market. I am your host, Ivy Shu. I previously worked in Silicon Valley and spent all of 2019 traveling to 16 emerging markets to interview tech leaders and to expand my playbook on building successful companies. I have no intention of stopping this journey and I can't wait to share all my learnings with you on this podcast. You can join the listener community based in over five continents and working in over 20 industries by going to getworldsavvy.com slash podcast. We hold weekly trainings on tangible skills that will help you scale your business and up-level your career, like digital marketing, how to partner with tech giants, moving from product management to entrepreneurship and back to product management, and developing web accessibility for your website for users with disabilities, just to name the trainings that are happening in May. You'll also get to connect and network with over 100 global leaders in tech. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 19. This is part two of the series of best practices for building relationships, building a personal brand, and really just building a business on Instagram by learning from the best practices in the social media world today, both from existing Instagram experts and taking a piece of the WeChat marketer playbook that is established in China. So in part one, we talked about how to get discovered and attract new followers. If you haven't checked out that episode, it is episode 17. Last week, I interviewed Olivia Plotnik, China marketing expert, on growing an account on WeChat. That's episode 18 last week. So if you haven't checked those two out, please do that. I'll link the links down below, or you can just kind of go back on whatever podcast app that you're listening to. Definitely listen to those because today's case studies are going to make a lot more sense if you have that kind of as your background knowledge. So today we're going to dive deeper into relationship building and converting your followers into clients, like making that sale, either off the platform or taking your followers off Instagram and WeChat in order to make that sale and how the best companies are doing that today. In order to explain these different case studies, I want to talk about really how Perfect Diary managed to grow its business to over $1 billion in valuation in three years as a Chinese beauty company, leveraging WeChat and Red, which is Xiaohongshu, and in contrast, how Glossier, which is now a $1.2 billion brand, and how Glossier grew primarily by building a community on Instagram. We talked about this a bit with Olivia in the last episode and introduction to what Perfect Diary really is. Perfect Diary is leading this charge of wave of new Chinese beauty brands. Perfect Diary was founded in 2016 or 2017. There's sources saying different things. And in September 2019, the company closed its latest round of funding, which was led by Hill House Capital Group, a private equity firm based in Beijing, Singapore, and Hong Kong, which valued the company at over $1 billion. It also has over 20 million followers across its social channels. So first, I want to talk about some business intelligence and market trends. 72% of Chinese cosmetic brands were using keywords in their Tmall product listings related to being made in China, up from less than 50% the year before. What this means, and this, this finding was by Gartner L2 in December 2018, is that since 2018, 
more and more consumers actually like made in China brands in China. They like buying homegrown brands. So not only have Chinese consumers, in particular the post-90s generation, which means people born after 1990, they've become really open to purchasing homegrown brands. They've also started to embrace ideas about beauty considered typically non-traditional in China. By traditional, I really mean buying those really famous French brands and European brands like La Mer, L'Oreal, etc. And that's because the rise of social media and mobile beauty apps like Beautycam, which is Meitu in China, have changed the way that we dress and the way that we live. And these are apps that really change and can filter and add on your own makeup. And young people are really obsessed now with photo-driven makeup that looks really good in photos. And color is really the easiest path to self-expression. That's the wave that's actually happening in China right now. Unlike Glossier, which famously limits its product line to a bare minimum, 30 products. Chinese beauty brands, especially those with a color cosmetics focus, launch new products all the time, with some companies boasting four to six product drops per month, constantly feeding the need for new content on social media. So actually, when I was in Shanghai last year, I didn't meet with a beauty brand. I actually met with an alcohol brand. And it's one of the biggest alcohol brands in the world, owning many vodka, whiskey, wine, beer, different product lines. And what the marketer said, who actually worked in the U.S., he's a Chinese expat. He's a Chinese American who is now working in China on the marketing side. He was saying that there's so much more iteration going in China because they're just pushing out new campaigns all the time. The Chinese people really expect that. They expect new things and new marketing campaigns, even if they're driving old products. So what that actually means is that from a marketing perspective, you get to go through so many iterations and test to see what is really successful. And I thought that was actually one of the biggest competitive advantages in China is that you're forced to iterate a lot and forced to push out new things so that you find easier what the customer wants in a shorter period of time. So actually, they also, instead of like four to six product drops per month, they probably do one or two campaigns per month while their US and Western counterparts do one or two campaigns per year. So that's going off on a tangent, but just a little bit more explanation on what this Chinese ecosystem is like. So we talked a bit last episode about collaborations as well on how Chinese brands like Forbidden City actually teamed up with Oreos to build a Oreo, little, a whole Forbidden City built out of little Oreos. And Perfect Diary is a great example on working with a lot of these collaborations to grow, most recently creating an eyeshadow palette just a few weeks ago in collaboration with Austin Lee, who's a famous beauty live streamer, and his dog, who frequently appears in his live streams. Perfect Diary has avoided really obvious partnerships that make traditional Chinese products like these museum overlaps because maybe because they're a Chinese brand and Chinese brands actually usually go hand in hand with these collaborations with foreign brands. Um, actually, that's not completely true. I've seen a lot of really native Chinese brands partnering with each other across different industries. So scratch that. Um, but instead, uh, back to Perfect Diary, they worked with more unusual outlets like Discovery Channel and National Geographic. Perfect Diary, along with National Geographic, would launch products with color palettes inspired by nature. Unique collaborations like these have really successfully expanded consumers' preconceptions about cosmetics and taking it to a new level and a new 
I guess, experience of what beauty could be like for the Chinese. According to Tmall, Perfect Diary was the overall top selling brand in the color cosmetics category in 2019. This is another first for a Chinese beauty brand. Previously, Tmall's top selling beauty brands listed were dominated by international names such as L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, maybe Maybelline. Though Perfect Diary declined to release sales figures anywhere that I've searched, media reports have estimated that they are on track to sell around 3 billion yuan, approximately 430 million worth of products annually via Alibaba's e-commerce platforms, primarily Tmall, which is the one with higher end, more branded goods. That's more B2C versus Taobao, which is more like the eBay that's more C2C. Anyone can establish a brand, uh, create a store on Taobao. So taking you guys, listeners, um, into my own experiences, when I visited one of the two flagship stores in Guangzhou last year, they have around, I think it was like a couple hundred stores now. I think it was 40 stores across by mid-2019. So I think they're in the hundreds now in the number of stores across China. So I was in Guangzhou and I visited one of their stores and I learned from some people there, the people working there, that there's a foot traffic number of around 2,000 people per day visiting the store. Every cashier, when I got to check out, is not only responsible for checking out guests, but they also will guide each customer to add a WeChat, usually with a discount code. So by adding WeChat, I mean connecting with their specific account. This also happens if you shop online. You'll also get sent a QR code with your products for a discount or Red Pocket or some other promotion if you add that WeChat account. When I added the WeChat account, I really thought that it would be a simple customer support account. But turns out it's like a brand created personal brand called Selwans, which actually means, I think, little perfection. <laughs> what I mean by this personal brand that is Xiaowanzi has, it, it has a real face and a real personality. Like she's a really pretty girl who looks like she's in her early 20s. She posts consistently in her feed. She's a personal account, not a business account. So I can actually see her feed since we're connected as friends on WeChat. And every day she posts two to three times while going through her feed. It seems like she's just a regular girl who likes makeup and posts about her daily life. How is this a customer service account is what I really thought. It's more like a company nurtured KOC, which is a key opinion customer. The, key, the term key opinion customer took off in China last year. It's not like KOL, what we would call influencer Chinese key opinion leaders that have a lot of traffic. Key opinion customers are more like your trusted friend. She can influence you to buy, 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 and buy some more. When you add Xiaowanzi, you receive an automated message that loosely translates to, Welcome, little cutie. It sounds better in Chinese, I swear. I am Perfect Diaries Xiaowanzi. I am your personal beauty and benefits assistant. You can press number one if your order had a red packet attached. You can reply with red packet to unlock it. Good luck, honey. Number two, for the gorgeous ladies, you can reply enter group to be added to Xiaowanzi's community. Number three, if you have any questions, you can reply, you, you can reply inquire and I'll be at your assistance. Once Xiaowanzi added me to the group, every day this group had different activities such as promotions, draws for prizes, live streams, and more. Xiaowanzi also has a mini program called Wanzi Shuo or translated to Wanzi Talk. 
where Xiaowanzi creates short videos of makeup, skincare, and other beauty tutorials using Perfect Diary products. Taking this example, previously, Perfect Diary might run an ad and get a single order, but now with a private community, Perfect Diary has penetrated the feed, group chat, and touched these customers again and again with live streams, promotions, lotteries to get return purchases. Today, there are hundreds of Xiaowan's personal WeChat accounts because each WeChat account is only allowed 5,000 connections from what I know, which is run, all these accounts are run by Perfect Diary employees, all with the same profile image and WeChat moment posts. Each of these accounts operates dozens, if not hundreds of WeChat groups filled with brands customers because each WeChat groups is restricted to 500 members. So they really have to create multiple groups in order to keep everyone within the community and connected. Something that I really haven't seen brands do in the West is put a KOC or really raise up and create their own key opinion consumer brands. It's an interesting play. The only thing close to it is perhaps influencer brands. So existing influencers coming up with their own products, which is their own, and then of course becoming the face of their own brand, right? So you can take Michelle Fan, for example, she created Ipsy. This is also not to say that brands like Perfect Diary don't use KOLs. In fact, they use a lot of key opinion leaders, especially on Red. Um, but these are more like brand associations, while Xiaowanzi, even if the girl is not actually named Xiaowanzi, she's an employee who knows who she actually is, she is the brand. Furthermore, influencer marketing is really top of funnel. So Perfect Diary can use influencers to attract people in, yet what they're doing is different in terms of customer service, making it seem like a true human friend instead of a corporation behind all your inquiries and support. But if we look at a contrasting beauty brand that's really killing it in the West, we can take a look at Glossier. Instead of telling your brand story from the perspective of a fake or created key opinion customer or what seems like a KOC, beauty brands in the West can learn from Glossier to tell the stories of customers instead of your brands. So Glossier has built a $1.2 billion beauty brand with 2.8 million followers on Instagram, all of which started as primarily a blog back in, I think it was 2010. Emily Weiss, the founder, already had 186,000 followers from her blog into the gloss by the time Glossier was founded. This is actually more common than not everywhere in the world. When starting an e-commerce business of any kind, you can either start with number one, the supply chain, meaning handling everything before the actual transaction, so like the factory, the logistics, or um, the warehousing, or you can start with number two, the platform. That's where people transact. So like Amazon, Shopify, eBay, Wish, etc. And you start generating, or number three, you start generating traffic. So generating consumer traffic. And that's what a lot of bloggers, YouTubers, streamers, and other content creators start with. And they have the traffic so they can start selling things, even if they aren't their own. And then gradually graduating to selling their own products to their own audience and upping that profit margin. For Into the Gloss, which is the blog Emily Waste, the founder, started, even from the beginning, people really ate up the blog's content. And after a year, the site was getting 10 million views per month, and that was in 2011. Waste knew that she had tapped to something really big then. She realized women were coming to her blog because they wanted to receive beauty advice from other women and not from brands. So let's talk about the Instagram strategy that really led to the rise of Glossier. 
Number one, it fits in. I'm talking about the feed. Glossier hit the nail on the head when drafting its buyer personas, which is millennial women ages like 18 to 30, right? So a selfie, a meme, a cute animal video, Glossier really did its research and it knows what its target audience already has a feed filled with all of these things. As such, the company gives its audience what it knows they like. In this case, it's pretty pictures of flowers, memes, cute animals, etc. And these posts slip right in alongside their friends and another funny meme accounts. It's worth noting that the vast majority of Glossier's posts are product related, helping to build its brand, but it adds in additional snapshots of web trends and ties them back into its brand. This kind of goes in line with Xiao Wanzi and Perfect Diary. A blend in the feed might be better than standing out. It looks like it belongs and its content is by your friends and it's less likely to seem brand sponsored and people will be more welcoming and tolerant, I guess, about this kind of content appearing in their feed. Number two, using stories to connect with users. Glossier is huge on Instagram stories. Glossier uses stories as a place to demo products offer tips on how to wear each product and feature their users wearing their products. Glossier's Instagram photos and videos are not professional, which is unlike other brands in the beauty scene. The tone is casual and intimate and makes the content feel like it's coming directly from a friend. Again, I can't emphasize enough the importance these days of having content come from what seems to be a friend. Stories are supposed to be, you know, educational, entertaining, or emotion evoking. And Glossier really does all three. In educational, in the bucket of educational, I often see Glossier posting a story getting a user to vote on what kind of training they'd like to see today in stories. They, of course, do product demos and often have collaborations with influencer takeovers. Under the branch of entertaining, from memes to gifs to relatable quotes, cute animal pictures and videos and internet hashtag, everything that is part of today's social media culture has been used by Glossier as content. Finally, emotion evoking is usually done when stating a fact that's like debunking a myth to show the audience what they don't, didn't know that they didn't know. Something that makes you stop your scroll, really. And for example, Glossier often talks about misconceptions, such as like acid is actually good for your skin because it exfoliates your skin, which clears acne, minimizes pores, etc., and then turns that into describing one of their products. This shows more how much of an all-in-one touch point and mega app that Instagram has become. This is pretty much what Perfect Diary used mini programs for to put videos of Xiaowans telling these stories, doing these Q&As and demoing these products. I would say Instagram is 100% better for discovery since the stories are on a user's feed. They don't need to go looking for you while a user needs to be directed to the mini program in order for them to find the videos that Xiaobanzi is making for Perfect Diary. However, it's easier to direct users to a mini program than to a story. So if you're further down the customer journey and you're already interacting all the time with loyal fans, then perhaps you know, having an easier way to direct to a story would be more beneficial for the brand. Next up is number three of how Gloucester ended up being one of the best D2C brands in the West and building their business off Instagram is that they're really excellent at building a community. Glossier was already talking to customers and featuring women on their favorite products and lifestyle on the blog before any products came along. Glossier doesn't rely on traditional paid advertising. About 80% of Glossier's growth in sales come from word of mouth marketing. 
how does Glossier get a shopper to spread the word about the brand? Glossier really gets the customer involved, not just feel involved, but rewarded for being involved. As an example, Glossier incentivizes shoppers to spread the word. So Glossier regularly regrams user-generated content so people know that they can be seen by the brand's 2.7 million followers if they tag the company or use their hashtags in their feed. They also often talk to users about their experiences with their brand and other brands, particularly in stories, using all the interaction features like polls, questions, and votes to garner user feedback for product development and content creation. They, of course, also share these user stories. If you look at Glossier's top five Instagram story highlights that they actually highlight at the top of their profile, for this, the company finds five of the top posts it's been tagged in for the week. Then it posts each of it to its stories feed and saves them into a specific highlight on its profile. So even people that discover it past the 24 hours can find these top user stories. In the repost, Glossier tags the original poster, of course, so that whoever sees it can also connect with that user on social media. But they don't just stop at highlight. Glossier also does the same thing with its seasonal resolutions. Highlight connecting users through sharing their resolutions on Instagram. This really helps enhance the community around its brand, connecting top fans to each other and further fueling that interest and passion about its products because everyone loves buying products when they think that it's in demand. This is kind of like that WeChat group feature. It's important for your fans to know each other. There are also localized Slack groups of around 150 top shoppers that Glossier uses to get feedback on products or hear opinions on what customers might want in the product line. And I mean 150 shoppers per city that they have a Slack channel in. In my opinion, more tactics like the ones used in China can be used in these Slack channels. For example, actually running some more campaigns and garnering more repurchases. However, the focus here for Glossier is really on product development rather than creating a loyal following for repurchases. Perhaps this is something that the Chinese brands can learn from too. Next, we have something that both Chinese brands and Glossier is using, and that's the shareability of brand iconic pieces that's offline products, right? So for Glossier, the brand's millennial pink packaging is really known to drive likes and comments. Same for the brand's stores and pop-ups, which are filled with bright, colorful selfie walls. Everyone loves taking a selfie when they're shopping there. Everything from their product to packaging is really a result of crowdsourced feedback and listening to their users. Making the store Instagram mobile for shoppers is super important, and it's also important in China that it's shareable for Xiaohongshu or Red. Make it someplace where users want to take a picture and share it with their friends. Of course, all these tips would mean absolutely nothing if you don't have a great product. And Glossier and Perfect Diary both focus on quality. For Perfect Diary, they found the manufacturers of top makeup brands like L'Oreal to create their products. After viewing these two brand strategies, and mind you, these are the best of the best in the China and US, I would say the main difference is this brand created influencers. Do you think that this would work in the US? The Chinese obviously know that Xiaowanzi is not a real person, but I'm not really sure if that would pass the authenticity test in the West that's really prevalent on social media channels today. My main takeaway is that there are so many tools on both Instagram and WeChat that it's so important to know your own customer journey within the app and the journey out of it, where you're gonna direct people to. 
Instagram currently allows checkout in app in the US with a certain number of merchants that are pre-qualified. This means that brands on Instagram still need to direct the traffic somewhere, either through DMs, which is one-on-one -on -one chats, with users or through the link in bio, that one link that you're allowed to post that people can click out of. This makes you want to call to action your link in bio when you want the customer to convert out either to a community or to a conversion. You want to use that as much as possible, but sometimes that gets old, right? In order to add more personality and personal connection, the best way is to start as many DMs as possible. This can be from asking a user to DM you with a word and you'll send them the right link or freebie incentive, putting a poll, a story, or a live video out and DMing everyone that viewed it because you can actually see who viewed it on Instagram. These are all ways to start conversations, directing them out to some kind of freebie that gets their email. This will send them to your own private traffic pool of your own end-to-end -end control. Like an email list is still king in the West. On the WeChat side of things, not all customer journeys end with conversion on the WeChat app, even though you can pretty much pay for anything through a mini program at this point. WeChat is often used for repeat purchases because it's more of a customer success strategy. Discovery on Xiaohongshu or Red, and then purchase on Tmall, and then join the WeChat community to repeat purchase is how Perfect Diary does it. I don't think Instagram has fully mastered the art of forming a community of repeat buyers yet. However, it does a great job for the interest and desire phase of the customer journey, educating and nurturing potential new buyers. Even in the West, most discovery and awareness isn't done through Instagram. Although the hashtag and referral strategies that I talk about in episode 17 still stand. But most brands and influencers have a search-based platform like blogging or YouTube where those searching for specific keywords can find your content. And you can't really do that with Instagram. The posts and microblogging that you do on Instagram is not searchable on the platform. WeChat, on the other hand, is great for post-purchase success and has a play in the interest since potential customers who are interested can scan a QR code to learn more. And also content is searchable, making it kind of playing in the awareness zone, but it's really, really highly competitive and hard to find an account on WeChat unless someone shares it. I'm just so excited to see where these platforms go in the future and how brands continue to use them in such creative ways to connect with their customers. I love to hear about your strategies and takeaways or whether you'd like to hear more case studies and tactical advice like these last three episodes. I'd so also appreciate it if you can leave a review or share this episode and tag me at IVXVine on Instagram or IVSHU on LinkedIn, both linked in the comments or both linked in the show notes so that more people can hear the podcast. And of course, you're all welcome to join the community of listeners at Get World Savvy Network on Facebook. With that, thank you guys so much for listening. See you in the next episode.